Well, there's a common theme there, and I'm going to try to tie it into the text because in both cases there are either lost people or hopeless people in need of a Savior. And each time the Savior comes and then leaves. The beauty that we have today is it's not a movie script that I'll be reading from. It is God's holy word, inspired, given to John to give us a first-hand account of what happened when Jesus came back from the dead. And after appearing last week and telling them to not be afraid and to have peace, he comes back again. And we catch up with our buddy Thomas. Let me read for you the ending first, then I'll read why that's so great. So I'm going to start at verse 30. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the focal point of this book. These things have been written that you might believe that you might have eternal life. Now we go back to verse 24. Now Thomas, called Didymus, both words mean twin. One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. So that was Sunday night of the resurrection time, if you will, or Monday, whatever week that is. But it's a week later now. So it's the following Sunday. It's eight days, some will say. A week later, if you count Sunday to Sunday, that makes eight. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, just like they were, Earlier in John 20, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace with you. Same thing he said two times last week in our reading. Peace be with you. Be complete. Remember how we talked about shalom, how that has more of an interpretation for the, in the Hebrew than it does in English. It's a completeness. Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, in other words, the man who had not found his completeness, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Pray with me, please. Father, as we look at a familiar text... Let us not overlook the challenge that you gave to Thomas and to us, as well as John's focal point for his book, to say that these things have been written that we might believe, that we might have eternal life. Speak to us in this great ending of the story. Because really, Lord, when we know the ending, we know it's not over yet. Speak to our hearts this day, for I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.
Ron Delbean, I looked him up this week, I found a, a story that he talked about. He's a minister, or was, I think he's retired now, in Birmingham, Alabama. And he told him the story of, of leading a prayer seminar in Florida. And he said, during the breakout session, a little old lady came up to him. He says she was small and she was elderly. And she said, can I talk to you for just a few minutes? And he said, you know, that's the break time. That's when I'm going to get coffee. Okay, sure. So she said, I've only told this story to one person, my husband. And he thought I was crazy. You probably will too. Will you think I'm crazy? And of course, you know, I tell a minister, you're going to think I'm crazy? What are you going to say? Uh, uh, no, I don't think I will say that you're crazy. In some way, you're going to bite your tongue. So he said, no, I, I, I won't tell you you're crazy, but watch the story. She said, well, several years ago, she said, my husband was in the ICU, and the doctors had told us that he had between 24 and 48 hours to live. So she said, I was by his side. I did not want him to expire without me being there. I, I wanted to be with him as he breathed his last breath. And she said, sometime in the middle of the night, as I'm by his bedside, there, there was a bright light in the opening of the room in which he was there in the bed. And she said, I just knew it was death coming for him. So she said, I got up and with both hands outstretched, I said, no, you can't have him. You can't come in. And she said, the more I said it, the closer the light got to me. And she said, I continued to raise my hands and scream out, you can't have him. Not now. He's not going to be yours. And she said, the next thing I know, the nurses are, <coughs> excuse me, here comes the uh, allergies. <laughs> Better? He's that killing story. She said that the nurses were picking her up off the floor because she'd passed out. She must have fainted in this process. And she said, over the next 24 hours, she said, every vital statistic of my husband improved. And she said, within five days, I took him home. And he lived five more years until finally a heart attack get, did get him and he died. And she said, I told him throughout all the years, I stopped death from coming and getting you. And she said, or he said, always, I don't believe you. And she said, she looked at Ron and she said, do you believe me? He said, well, um, she said, in fact, I don't believe it myself. I, I don't know what to believe. And Ron said to her, have you ever considered that that light was not some death angel coming for your husband, but was Jesus himself coming to anoint him that he might be healed? With that, of course, she said, I never thought of it that way. And that's the end of his story as I was reading it. Because there's where I pick up with Thomas. Thomas wasn't with the ten when Jesus came that first Sunday night. And when they said, we have seen him, he said, I don't believe you. And now a week later goes by, and he's in the room. He, and I, I love different commentators. One guy said he's probably, he was probably going out to get something to eat the night that Jesus showed up the first time. Or maybe he was going into the park and taking a walk. I have no idea. We don't know. But he's in the room this time when we begin the reading today. And Jesus appears, and Jesus says, stop doubting and start believing. So our first point this morning is stop doubting and pretending. The text in verse 25 literally says, they kept saying, we have seen the Lord, over and over. The tense in the Greek is that they didn't stop. They're saying it over and over. We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. And he gets full up, fed up with that, and says, unless I put my hand in his hand and 
see the scar or in his side, I'm not going to believe. I'm wondering if they really did, and I talked to the staff this week, if they really did see him, which I think they did, why are they locked in a room again? Why weren't they out looking for him? Why did they spend seven days still worried about themselves when they knew that Jesus was victorious over death? So before you start elevating them above Thomas, they too were very human. Remember, Thomas was the one who was ready to die with Jesus. In John 11, when they are talking about going to see Lazarus, he said, let's go to Jerusalem. Let's die with him. And then later on in John 14, when Jesus has got that beautiful passage that I, I love to repeat, you know, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I go now to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I will come again, that where I am, you may be with me. And Thomas is the only one who's saying, you know, have you ever been in one of those highbrow classes, you know, in physics class, chemistry class, higher level math, or for me, English, and you don't really know what the teacher's saying, but everybody has got, no one's saying anything. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And then I think that's John, was that like 14, 6? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through me. So here is Thomas saying what we all probably would have wanted to say. We don't understand. Lord, you're talking in like a rhyme for me. Speak clearly to me. And now Jesus has made his physical presence communicate the story that death cannot hold me. The grave could not hold me. I've said it over and over as we've as preached my way through this book in the past two years that we see ourselves in some of these disciples and some of the people that Jesus comes into encounter with. We, we see ourselves in Nicodemus or we see ourselves in the lady who came to him at the well or we see ourselves in Peter you know, saying one thing one day and the next day backing down. I see myself in Thomas as well. He speaks of disbelief. When things are too hard to understand. Thomas could not pretend to believe when he did not see what the other disciples had seen. He needed the physical evidence. However, we know that physical evidence is not always enough to communicate the truth. Now, what do you mean by that? Well, not everybody who's got a cowboy hat on right now or that wore a cowboy hat today or put on cowboy boots, or brought out their annual, are these pearls? They're supposed to be. They're probably fake, right? You know, these snap, that, that's a cowboy shirt to me. Cowboy shirt doesn't button, it snaps. If you put on that, doesn't mean you're a cowboy. You may look like one, but the last time I was on a horse was, what's the park down there, in, down by Incarnate Word? Don't they have, used to have horses? I think that's back about 1988 or 89. Brenda and I are riding horses before we had any kids. We're out there riding a horse. And that joker that I was riding did not need me on it because once we got close to the barn or the stables, that thing was the fastest he went because he knew that's where the food was. Kind of like some of you, ready for the chili. But just because you dress the part doesn't mean you can ride the horse, doesn't mean you can rope the steer, doesn't mean you can mend the fence. People sometimes look like cowboys, but they're more like urban cowboys than real cowboys. If you stay with me on that, not everyone who sits on a church pew is a Christian. They may bow for prayers. They may sing the songs. They may not even know some of them because they sing them as children. They might even carry a Bible. But if they don't believe in the gospel, 
nor have they confessed their sin, nor have they accepted Jesus as their Lord of their life or ever shared the good news with someone. They may look like Christians, but more than likely they're urban Christians, not true believers. Stop doubting and pretending. You know, I grew up on TV westerns, a Yankee, Illinois. Yes, I did. I think that's our generation too. I watched uh, High Chaparral. Didn't even know what a Sh El Chaparral was till I looked it up one time after about my second assignment in San Antonio. Isn't that Roadrunner? I don't speak Spanish, but I think all I know is that I speak fajita over there. But I grew up on El Chaparral. Um, I, I think started with Lone Ranger as a, as a child, and those probably were reruns. Gunsmoke. Rifleman, you bet. But one of my favorites was Bonanza. There, old wise Ben Cartwright. And his sons, Adam, Hoss, that I said I looked more and more like, and little Joe. And of course their cook, Hopsing. They took care of not the Bonanza, they took care of the Ponderosa, this gigantic ranch, and influenced the territory around them. Do you know where that was? Very good. I had forgotten where it was until I looked at the opening. I was going to play that for you, you know, the opening brand that burns this map away. You see Carson City and you see other things. You're like, well, that's Nevada. I never even thought about that as a child. And I realized that that was fantasy, but modern-day equivalent to that fantasy is Yellowstone. John Dutton. And his children. And you know the one hired hand is Michael Landon's daughter, right? Michael Landon, who was on the original Bonanza. Trainer. She's Texan. She can't talk, right? Sorry, in the, in the show. That's his daughter born about three years, I think, before he died. But nonetheless, same premise. This man and his children overlook a gigantic property and influence the territory. Hmm. I will say to you this. If our church, knowing the power and the majesty of God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, don't cause us to protect one another and protect the name of Jesus, as well as influencing the land in which we live, we have become no better than a TV drama or TV western waiting for our series to be canceled. Stop doubting and pretending. Stop saying, I will pray for you. Do it. I know I have church members in here that say, if you say, I need prayer, they will stop what they're doing right there on the spot and pray with you. Stop talking about Sunday school and how it needs to grow. Go. Volunteer to teach. Get involved. Stop saying, I don't know anybody at that church. There's so many new people. Spend some time talking to somebody on the pew beside you. Stop driving by someone in need to rush to help yourself. Stop saying, God is in control of my life while never giving up control of your time or talents. Be a missionary to someone or somewhere. Help them. Hug them. Cry with the hurting. Feed somebody. 
Listen, invite somebody to church. Stop saying, I believe in Jesus without telling anybody that I have seen the Lord and he's risen from the grave. So stop doubting and pretending and finally start believing and doing. Thomas says to Jesus, my Lord and my God. In Greek, the way the prepositions and pronouns line up, it's more, it, it, it literally, the God of me, the Lord of, or the Lord of me and the God of me. And I, I kind of like the way that says, he says it. The Lord of me, the God of me. Because to say that for a faithful Jew in that day meant death. That's blasphemy to say that anything other than Yahweh was God. Thomas didn't care. He recognized that this truly was God's son, God incarnate, God victorious over death, God in his presence, because who else could come back from the dead? History of Thomas shows that he really didn't care after that what people thought. He's known for being a missionary in India between 52 and 72 A.D., and of course, his death is recorded as a martyr for someone finally asked him to deny Jesus. And he said, I will not, I cannot, and shall not deny my Lord Jesus. And with that, as tradition and history says, he was stabbed with a spear. But he's still known from the east to the west side of India for starting churches. Read verse 29 with me. Let me pull that up you here. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And rather than making that he said, she said, or he's got it and I don't got have it, it is a rope not to hang ourselves with. How do you like that Western illustration? It's a rope. <clears throat> that this rope connects us to the gospel. Ever think that your name was in the Bible? I mean, it may not have Steve Davula spelled out like that. But verse 29 includes you. Blessed are those, it's like a new beatitude. Blessed are those who believe but yet have not seen. And also, you become like Thomas because by telling others about Jesus, you become those hands and those feet that others can see. Because in your life, they have seen how God has transformed you, put you back together, given you peace, made you complete, healed you, loved you. Start believing and doing. I attended seminary in Cowtown, USA. At least that's what Fort Worth used to say. I know Bandera claims to be the cowboy capital. Uh, you know, probably every Texas t town has some sort of claim. But Fort Worth was considered, at the time I went there, I don't know if they still use that moniker, is Cowtown. Uh, I've been to the Freeman Coliseum, not the Freeman, that's here. I've <laughs> uh, been to the Coliseum where they had the fat stock uh, rodeos. Uh, and I'd love to say, yeah, I'm from Fort Worth and I was a cowboy. No, I wasn't. Closest I ever got to was the cowboys who would stay at the Holiday Inn that I was working at when they came for the stock, stock show. And I remember one time a bunch of cowboys came and tried to take a horse up in our little elevator to the third floor to their room. What a mess that horse left. 
Later, I would work for UPS while I was there. And uh, have you ever seen the I Love Lucy episode where Lucy and Ethel are working in a ca uh, candy factory? That was UPS when I was there. Because once you moved from unloading the semi-trailer, I was a night loader. I, I went to work about 2 o'clock in the morning, got off about 7 or whatever. It was a great seminary job. They loved to employ seminary students because usually we showed up. We might not have been too smart, but we knew to come to work. We wouldn't quit. But there were many guys who quit after the first day because it was hard work. You unload the semi. Once you get promoted off of that, you go to working on the conveyor belt, just like Lucy and Ethel. I mean, them packages are coming faster than you can hand them, faster than you can eat them or stick them down in your shirt. And there was little time for conversation. I mean, I knew that the guy across from me dipped. Now, he was not a seminary student. Could have been, I guess. Maybe the seminary students dip. I don't know. But he dipped, and he told me his girlfriend dipped one time. I was like, whoa. <laughs> Missed like four packages here and that, you know. Really? She dips. Oh, okay, yeah, whatever. But at the time, I was still learning. And I mean, you've got to look at every one of those packages because everyone's got a different address on it. Everyone's got a different zip code on it. And sometimes you get the wrong package not going to Fort Worth or any of the outlying suburbs, and you've got to kick it out of the way. Or sometimes the address is incomplete. And when you're at the end of the line where I first started, you're the guy who has to look up the address as you're handling all the other boxes that you're putting into little brown trucks behind you. If that wasn't stressful enough, they actually then move you up higher so then you see more packages. The worst job was the guy right at the very beginning because he sees every package and he would yell to me when I was, when I was working inside the trailer, labels up, labels up. Because if you put them on the conveyor belt with the label down, he has to take the time to turn it over, has to have it facing the right way, all that kind of stuff. But anyway, I say all that to say at one point I'd had all I could have. I was in boxes up to my like chocolate, like Lucy and Ethel. And I screamed out a common vernacular, no cursing, that, that they had during commercials of the day. Have you ever heard of Calgon, like a bath soap? I said, Calgon, take me away. And three of the guys on the other side started laughing so hard that the supervisor had to stop the belt for three minutes because if you imagine you're laughing for a minute, how many packages, and just like on Lucy and Ethel, they keep turning the speed up. The closer it gets to 8 o'clock or 7 o'clock because you've got to have the trucks ready for the drivers to come in, they get to make it faster and faster. So packages are coming, and I said, Calgon, take me away, and what a mess I created by my silliness, just like I might have done in church many times. But the only thing that will take you out of the mess of your life are the nail-scarred hands of our Savior Jesus. You ever hold your dad's hand or your mom's hand when you're little? Your grip might not have been too strong, but you were trusting in the grip that mom or dad had to hold your hand, to keep you on the straight, or to take you and keep you safe. We might have weak hands, but the nail-scarred hand that we will grab onto is strong enough to pull you from whatever problem you have found yourself into this day that will guide you in the right direction to keep you safe and that will bring you into the presence of the Father in heaven. So when we go back to this greatest Western ending, Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples. Think about that. You are his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. You may not have all the wonderful things that have happened in your life, I looked at Ed, Ed just looked down. If you ever talk to Ed and talk about some of the medical things he's had, he's a walking miracle. Amen? You know you are. You betcha. It's not written down in here. 
But he is one of the disciples. He's had some miraculous events. And if he will share those with you, these are written that you may believe. He will tell them that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So you, my friend, my brother, my sister in the faith, you are a part of the redeeming good news by telling others about Jesus. You are part of his story if you'll only start believing and start doing for him. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, as we come now in the time of this service to make public statements, I know we sing songs and I stand up here in the front and some people want to know what he's doing. Lord, I'm standing there waiting for someone who has never accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior to walk forward and say, that's what I want to do today. Or perhaps there's somebody here who says, I need to be baptized and I want to make it public because that's what a baptism is. It is a public declaration of who we have placed our faith in, you, your son. And we seek him for forgiveness and redemption. Or perhaps, Lord, there's somebody who just needs to come to these steps. They want to pray. They can stand here, kneel here. We'll have prayer cowboys that will come out and pray with them. Love, we love you, Lord. And we love this rope that I talk about that binds us to you. And that's faith. Because many times we have seen things and we've doubted. Many times we've experienced things and we've doubted. But yet, Lord, when we trust in you, through faith, we are redeemed. So, Lord, whatever decision there is to be made, I pray that through faith your people would step forward. For I ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.